you're locked in the press box. Uh, the first sound you heard there was Kyle Shanahan talking about his overtime decision and getting the third possession, which if it goes to a third possession is sudden death. Um, one of the main responses to that is that assuming if San Francisco had scored a touchdown and then Kansas City scored a touchdown, right? Kansas City could have gone for two to win the game. Right. Do you think they would have? I think he would have. I think Andy Reid said that afterwards. Did Oh, did he say that? Yes. I, I would have. I think they would have. But Andy Reid is extremely conservative for how good of a quarterback he has. But I would have. Um, now, by the way, easy to say that after the game. Right, after you've won the game without having you've to do it. You've won the game and yes. having to do it. That's very well, easy to say. One of, the, one of the players came out and said that they were working on overtime plans yeah. the entire week. You and, definitely, and that was one of them. You definitely do go for two. Because I just off the top of my head, win probability wise, you're roughly fifty percent to get the two point conversion. So if you go for two, you're roughly fifty percent to win the game right there. If you're kicking off in a tie game and the other team needs one score, any score to beat you, your win probability's gotta be twenty five percent or something like that. So you definitely should go for two in that scenario, but I would have been curious to see that actually play out. And the other part of the third score being sudden death, they could have conceivably held Kansas City to a field goal. Yes. After they kicked yes, one. Absolutely. And they did the previous two drives, they held Kansas City to, field goals. to a field goal. So it wasn't that crazy to think we'll kick a field goal and then hold them to a field goal. I still would have gone for it on fourth down inside the 10, but I would go for almost all fourth downs. Um, the Raiders lost another coach. Was he really a coach? So Deshaun Foster is now the new head coach at UCLA. Deshaun Foster was the running back coach at UCLA from 2017 to 2023. That's the highest position that he's held. He's never been a coordinator or anything above running backs coach. The Raiders hired him to be their running back coach like a week ago. This guy's been here for six days. And now he's gone to take the UCLA job. First on Deshaun Foster, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know anything other than his resume. That's a weird hire, right? For the Raiders or UCLA? For UCLA. Yeah. The only thing that kind of is in his favor, I guess, is that he coached there. Did he play there? Yes. Yeah, so he's, he's he's in the ring of so honor. So he's a Bruin. He's a Bruin, right. not he's a He's a Bruin, not, not a Raider. Raider. But, like, UCLA. And I know UCLA hasn't been anything nah, special. But, no, but it's UCLA. But it's UCLA. It's UCLA. Hired a guy who's never even been yeah. a coordinator, a coordinator yeah. at, at any level. To be their head coach, that was weird to me. Very weird that he's going straight from RB coach to head coach. Right. Very, very strange in that regard. Is UCLA like out of money? What's going on here? They didn't want to fire Chip Kelly even though nobody wanted Chip Kelly around apparently and he knew that and got out and now they're making what I'm assuming is a pretty cheap hire for UCLA. Like there's no way they're paying this guy $8 million a year. No. Like, what, they they running out of money or something? What's going on? They're joining the Big Ten. Shouldn't they be rolling in they cash They should be now? rolling in money, and they should be rolling in NIL money. Yeah. And the fact that Kelly made the jump, I'm not so sure that's the case. Yeah. All right. So, very strange on that end. Uh, on the Raiders' end. Well. Is Antonio Pierce bad at hiring coaches? I don't know. I mean, obviously, this guy's jumping to the head coaching job at UCLA no matter how Are you? I, hires. Oh, yeah. Would, I think Chip I mean, Kelly might have taken the Raiders' running back job. I think Foster I think saw the yeah. Chiefs win on Sunday. It was like, <laughs> I don't know if this team can do it. I, Chip, would Chip Kelly have taken the Raiders running back job? No, I don't think he takes. You don't think so? he was job. applying I for think, OC I, jobs? He left well, to take an OC college much, job. Much different than a running backs coach. 
coordinators. Are much head different coach job. is different from OC, and he said, "I don't want to be the head coach anymore." Yeah, but right now it's Ohio State versus UCLA. Two different levels. Not that big of a difference. It's, that is the OC. This guy's got to take the UCLA job. I mean, yes, I'm not turning this, it down. No, he's he's got to take it. I to say Antonio Pierce is bad at hiring coaches. We don't know yet. We don't know okay. how any of these guys Here, are going to perform. Here's the thing. I don't think you can run around here saying not everybody is fit to coach the Raiders. It takes a certain kind of person well, to coach the Raiders. That whole thing's a little And then loony. lose two coaches in two weeks that you wanted. Like, this whole idea, Antonio Pierce is out here identifying Cliff Kingsbury Raiders. is a Raider. Deshaun Foster is a Raider. And then they both leave? Mm. He's bad at this. I'm going to wait. I'm going to reserve judgment to see how they play. I'm going to reserve judgment to see how any of these guys coach or how they play. They're going to be bad. Seven wins? That's, that's bad, yes. I got them eight and nine. <laughs> that's bad. If they go eight and nine, that's bad. <laughs> it's a bad thing. That's Again, that's the worst thing they can do is go eight and nine. And, You're going to have eight and nine for every year. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to say eight and nine every year. <laughs> but I, I think it's funny to run around saying only certain people are fit to coach the Raiders like Antonio Pierce has done. And then two guys that he picked out to hire have left before anything actually happened. Kingsbury and now Deshaun Foster. That's true. Both left for better jobs. Maybe. Well, I'm not saying they're going to perform well. I'm yeah. just saying I think on the surface both are better jobs. Foster did. Yeah, probably Kingsbury. Kingsbury did. I mean, he's he's presumably going to get a rookie quarterback over there. Yes. I don't know if I actually want to walk for the commanders. I know Dan Snyder's gone, but it's still not like that's some well-oiled machine of an organization just yet. Nobody gets the quarterback. Yeah, maybe. I don't think they're moving off that. Do you? Well, would you say the quarterback? I was taking that to oh, be a good no, one. I think it's a good one. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Drake May might be, if they take Drake May, he might suck. And then Kingsbury's right. like, I suck too. Uh-oh, this isn't good. I'm never getting an OC job again. Right. But, yeah, he does get the quarterback there. Um, the other part of this, because it was reported by Bruce Feldman, over the weekend, that Barry Odom's name was in the mix for the UCLA job. Now, how seriously, we don't actually know. Well, I don't, know. I don't think that's surprising given they hired a running backs coach. <laughs> I mean, there are probably a lot of guys in the running for that job given they hired a running backs coach. Are you surprised at all that Barry Odom didn't get a head coaching job this I mean, season from a school that wasn't UNLV? Had a great first season. Won nine games, got to the title game. It was only one year. Um, I'm not going to say I'm surprised he didn't get a job. No, I'm not saying say he's surpri- I'm surprised he didn't get a job. A lot of people are in it for these jobs. Yeah. The possible openings that like Barry Odom could have made a jump to or even was reported that he was in the mix. UCLA, the most recent one. Arizona hired Brent Brennan, a guy that Odom coached against in right. the Mountain West and lost head-to-head but won on the computer rankings because Brent Brennan's an idiot. Um, he was linked at one point to Mississippi State. Oregon State was open. I don't know that Odom would have taken that since they're not in the power right. conference anymore. Uh, and then Houston. His name was mentioned for the Houston job, who is in the Big 12, so that is a power conference now. Uh, didn't We don't actually know if he was offered and turned down or just was never offered. We don't actually know how far any of that got, but those were some of the different jobs that his name at least got linked to. Um, The part about Odom I'm curious from, if you're the other schools looking to hire a new head coach, is he less desirable 
because he's already been a head coach at a power conference school and it didn't go well. I shouldn't even say it didn't go I mean, well because it's not like they were. It's not like he was a disaster. They just weren't. They just never really elevated to a higher level when he was at Missouri. Yeah. I mean, if anyone knew what UNLV was before he got here, he'd be more desirable to me. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I mean, think if you knew really knew what UNLV had been, and he comes in and win nine games and goes to the conference title and recruit as as he's recruited. To me, he'd be really desirable. If he wins nine games again, somebody hires him in the yeah. offseason, right? Like, I guess I don't. We don't know who will be open, but there's right, exactly. generally there's always, always several stuff open. Right. that's open that's available. I would have to imagine if they if he pulls off another nine win season, that somebody else would make him a pretty significant offer that UNLV would have a really tough time matching, and that Odom would potentially take. Because I, I, I would say this, if you were any coach, not just Barry Odom, if you were any coach in college football right now and you got offered a head coaching job in the SEC or the Big Ten, I think you have to take it almost no matter what. Because there is a real chance those are the only two co- conferences playing like Division One football five years from now. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. real possibility. Five years might be a little early on that timeline. Right. But I think if any SEC or Big Ten school offers you a head coaching job you have to take it i think you have to take it like maybe you could say no to like vanderbilt or something because they do pay on the low end well it's a private school so we don't know for sure but they generally are expected to pay on the low end and they never really have success but i'm trying to think like arkansas because he was a dc there if arkansas came back and said we like what you've done would you like to be our head coach i feel like you say you're taking that even if it's going to be tough to win something in arkansas you want to get your name or you want to get into what is division one football in the future, which is the sec and the big 10. So I'll be curious to see. And also obviously how good is UNLV going to be this year? Because if they win nine games again, that's a phenomenal season. It'll this, I will say this, they are set up for the first, maybe the first time in program history, seven and five would be disappointing. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, it is. That's a good thing. That's going to be the funny part. Is like if this team goes, if they go six and six and go to a bowl game, the the entire time I've been here, six and six is all that this program's been trying to do. Right. Just dear God, get to six and six. And right. next year, if they go six and six, we'll look back and say, yeah, what happened? Right. Yeah, they but kinda, that says a lot about it. Right. That's the great what they did this last season and what the expectations are going forward. How much do you think if Arkansas came calling, the UNLV could get up to for him? <sighs> If it if it's one of the because SEC Arkansas is outpaying them, yeah, they're they they have no trouble you know outpaying UNLV in any sense. So, I I'd love to know how much UNLV could get up to because he's at what one five right now or in that ballpark. Like Three? the the bottom of the SEC, Vanderbilt notwithstanding, and Mississippi State because they had to hire a guy who replaced Mike Leach after Mike Leach passed away. It was right. just like oh god, we got to get somebody who's on staff. Outside of those two, I think the lowest was three five in the SEC. Can they get to three five? And if if you're hiring a new coach, you're probably paying at but least see, four Arkansas or five. But see, Arkansas is paying more than that. Yeah, like if it's a, as Arkansas's example, it's probably four or five. I don't, I don't think UNLV can get there. Can they? I mean, where where's that coming from? Would they do two seven? <laughs> I don't know if they can get there. I mean, that's like I mean, like two point seven five. Yeah, I mean, I don't something in that range. I don't know. Can yeah. they get there? That's an extra. 
one one point two million than what he's getting yeah. now. I can don't know he, if he can get there. Can he sign an NIL deal? <laughs> <laughs> like I would say, gonna get another car. The good news is, is obviously they're they're winning, uh, or they had a winning season, so that's obviously a good sign. The other interesting good news on this, and they don't have to deal with it because Odom conceivably isn't getting a new contract right now. Kevin Kruger doesn't make any money. Like as as a head coach, he makes uh, I think it's seven fifty or eight hundred thousand dollars. Kevin Kruger is a lower paid college basketball coach. That is conceivably good news for a Barry Odom contract extension, because in theory UNLV should probably be paying their football and basketball coach one point five million dollars. Right. And right now one's getting one five or whatever, and one's getting seven fifty or eight hundred. So in theory, Kruger is a discount, and that's potentially more money that could be spent on Odom. I don't know if. Eric Harper actually views it that way, but that's how I see their two biggest paid coaches at the moment is that one's not that expensive for what UNLV could be paying their basketball head coach, and the other one is at the is he is there, is Odom at the very top of the Mountain West? Football, I don't know. I know I'm, basketball. I'm pretty sure Odom's basketball. at the top. Kruger's not. I'm pretty sure Odom's at the very top. I think he's at the top by like a couple hundred thousand. Because yeah, they hired him and it was like highest paid coach in the Mountain West. I was like, yeah, it's a little weird. But because right. it's UNLV, but he is. I'm pretty certain that he is. So, uh, yeah, they they could probably go higher. But I just if it's the SEC or Big Ten, I don't think there's anywhere close. They're not even no. Really those schools can just write a blank check. Maybe if it was a, a Big Twelve school, that's uh, what's I don't even know what a good example is there. Kansas or something like that. I mean Texas Tech or something that's like, hey, we got two eight for you, three for you, and maybe Danny's right. They can get the two five then he might stick around. But if it's an SEC Big Ten, I think the money they offer will just blow anything UNLV right. could even come close to competing with out of the water. So actually, Odom is not. He's not even uh, top three. Oh. Actually, he might be now because uh, Brent Brennan's gone. That uh, idiot. He should have had to pay San Jose State money back. This this year, he would have been number one with 2.3. Jay Norvell at number two at 1.8. And then Sean Lewis – uh, Colorado State's paying Jay Norvell one eight, according to uh, this Nevada Sports Network um, website, and then uh, Barry Odom one point seven five at number four. Is Jay Norvell even good? He's good at taking Nevada kids to Colorado yeah, State. Yeah, and then doing what with them? <laughs> he just broke two programs at the same time. And San Diego State Sean Lewis one point seven five three, so he's the third highest. And he's new. He needs a quarterback, doesn't he? He needs to not have a safety plan. I don't know. That's, that sounds fun, Ed. <laughs> Dual threat. He can play offense and defense. <laughs> Arena football. You play both sides of the ball. It's fun. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs, brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad! I don't want your damn lemons! What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager! Bischoff's Briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's gonna burn your house down with the lemons! First thing in Bischoff's Briefs today. A stat from Josh Dubow, who tweeted out Kyle Shanahan... And the three Super Bowls he has been in, one as an offensive coordinator with the Falcons against the Patriots, and two as the head coach of the Niners, uh, both against the Chiefs. The highest win probability that the Shanahan teams had 
against the Patriots. They at one point had a 99.6% win probability. Against the Chiefs back in Super Bowl 54, they at one point had a 98.1% win probability. And then in this game, Super Bowl 58, uh, 87.7% win probability. Shanahan's teams lost all three of those games. Is Kyle Shanahan cursed? Uh, I thought you made the best point to Charles about who he's had to play a quarterback. One against Brady and two two against against Mahomes. Mahomes. So maybe he's cursed in that realm in terms of who he's had to play in the opposite side of the field. Kyle Shanahan has three Super Bowls if he gets to play Josh Allen this year and, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson or, and like he, he has multiple Super Bowls, right? If, If it's anybody but Mahomes, the Niners win that game, don't they? I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. And Kyle Shannon has a Super Bowl, and probably the same thing back. I mean, Mahomes here's four years ago. Mahomes hasn't actually been awesome in any of these Super Bowls, but he's had the drives, he's the fourth the quarters, or the overtime yeah, moments to win it, to do it. And then obviously the same thing with the twenty-eight to three collapse, which again he was. The, I find it a little weird. I know he was calling plays; it's a big part of it. But I find it a little weird to like lump that all on Kyle Shanahan, right. the twenty-eight to three. Like, yeah, yeah they gave up thirty points. Right, he should have run the ball more. I mean, it was twenty-eight to three. Like Charles was just saying, there were seventeen minutes left in the game, and it was right. twenty-eight to three, and they gave up twenty-five points before going to overtime. Right, and if I remember correctly, that was Patriots won the toss, got the ball, scored a touchdown, game over. Shanahan didn't even get the ball in overtime right. to go try to score any points with his offense. So, anyways, I. I think the Shanahan hate is way over the top. Um, I find it, I guess I don't find it odd, but I find it a little surprising how much hate he's gotten for the overtime decision. Um, And I also find it odd that we're, I asked this to you last week about Mahomes. We're we're kind of LeBroning Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, yeah. Like That's a good point. He's yeah. lost to Brady and Mahomes, and Mahomes twice, and we're acting like, oh, this he can't, guy. He can't coach. He's overrated. He's taken Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl, to the Super Bowl yeah. and lost to Mahomes. And we're like, ah, this guy's an idiot. Yeah. He like clearly he's good at this, and it's and it's, and it's he's getting LeBron because it's the same type of thing. If the Niners lose. To the Packers, in or excuse, uh, who, yeah, they lost. They beat the Packers. If they lose to the Packers in or their the first Lions. playoff game, yes, we spend that week talking about. Oh, he blew it. They lost to the Packers. They blah the blah blah. Team. Right. But then we would have forgotten about it by the time the NFC Championship right. game rolls around, and then by the time the Super Bowl rolls around. But because he lost the Super Bowl, we're hyper focused on this idiot, this guy. He blew it. When in reality, it's like. Uh, he kind of has a super. He kind of built a super team over there. Right. His quarterback's not nearly as good as the quarterback on the other team, and they've almost won two of these damn things. He almost won a damn Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo. Up ten in this fourth quarter. The, the Raiders don't even want to play that guy. Yeah. The well, they're going to pay him eleven million not to play. The Raiders are like this guy's a bum. Five <laughs> games into the season, and the, the, he had that guy in the Super Bowl. He was winning the Super Bowl by ten. By points. ten points in the fourth quarter. This guy's really good. And sure, are there some problems? Yes. Andy Reid also has some very bad decisions. Like with the timeouts? Yeah, he's not very good with those sometimes. He's not very good. Uh, not great with those. Andy Reid also very conservative on fourth down despite having Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like, they're, the the punt, 
that hit off the guy's ankle and the Chiefs recovered. That was a fourth and two at like the Kansas City 42-yard line or something like that. You've got to go for that yeah. with Patrick Mahomes. That is a go-for-it situation. That's a go-for-it situation. Run the play with like, he did on fourth and one yeah, in overtime. That's a go-for-it situation with like any quarterback, let alone with Patrick. It's fourth and two. You haven't scored a touchdown in the game yet. you got to do something. They got lucky because it hit the guy's ankle. But like Andy Reid, he makes a lot of you know game management mistakes too. They all do. It's, it's hard to get them all right. I know I come on here and yell about these decisions. It's hard to get them all right. right. And Shanahan obviously makes mistakes. Shanahan deserves some blame. But man, he's getting he's the one is anybody getting crushed anywhere near as much as he has? No. Yeah. Not through the media. Yeah. I mean, he's getting hammered for this. Defense couldn't make a stop. Made the wrong decision in overtime. Yeah. But his defense did couldn't make a stop. Last four drives, the Chiefs scored on all four of them. Defense make a stop. Don't let the Chiefs get into field goal range. Right. On one of those last two, you win the game. Right? Brock Purdy didn't play great. Had a couple of chances to actually well, first off, had an entire first half to hit some passes and win the damn game, put it out of reach, couldn't do that, and then miss some guys on key third downs when they were open. And they lose Are you the game quite open in the, yeah. in the end zone? They lose the game because of it. I just – Shannon deserves some blame, but the idea that they lost the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes, right. I'm not crushing that guy. I, wa- I want that guy, actually. I, I, how many teams in the league would take him as their head coach right now? 25? 26? 30? I mean, Reed. 30 might be a little too much. Reed. 31. Who, who, who's next? Harbaugh. Which one? <laughs> Both. <laughs> if Maybe. you, I mean, obviously you wouldn't necessarily trade one for one if you were the Ravens because John Harbaugh's been there for forever and they've been good. But if I'm starting from scratch, uh, to Andy Reed, and then it's. And then Shanahan, right? I mean, he's definitely a top five. Yeah. I mean, it's... I can't. I mean, Harbaugh I get, and Jim Harbaugh I think is going to be terrific, but you can't get past... You're not getting through one one hand with the with your fingers that you right. can oh, get yeah. before you get to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. There's just no chance. Because I'm taking Shanahan all over all of the Shanahan lights. Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, taking him over Sean McVay, yes. too. I know McVay's got a Super Bowl, but I'm taking him over McVay. Right now, yeah. Yeah. I would, too. So, I mean, you're you're talking straight up trade right now, at least twenty five teams would do it. Yes. Probably like twenty seven is the real answer of co teams that would swap their head coach right now. I would. For well put him on the Cowboys. Obviously. You you would trade yes. you would trade me for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. When he's not covering the nights, he's playing with his goats. One may even be named. This is the VGK Update with Ryan the Hockey Guy. Listen to him Monday through Friday at 4 on the VGK Insiders on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Morning, boys. How's it going? Good. Good. I got a stat for you. Curious what you think about this. Last night at 5 on 5, the Golden Knights produced 0.8 expected goals. Lowest of the season. uh, Fourth lowest in franchise history what what was wrong last night are they just all sick and played like it i mean i I think that can certainly be you know a logical conclusion right like obviously there's something going on with the team paul cotter missed a game due to an illness a couple of practices some players out uh, previous to last night's game um 
but really like inside of the game, there just there wasn't enough urgency five on five. Um, certainly, there were pockets where I think the Golden Knights just um, you know had some looks, had some chances. I don't think Philip Gustafson was very good last night for the Minnesota Wild, but I also don't think the Golden Knights did enough to really test him. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, whether it was illness, whether it was a lot of emotion and energy because of Alex Petrangelo's 1,000th game, I just don't think that there was enough urgency offensively for the Golden Knights, and that's really what undid them in the end. I know you were obviously doing the radio side of this. Uh, On Mm. the TV side, Darren Millard, uh, he his voice sounds terrible. He couldn't even. They got to the end of the post game show, and Gary Lawless mm. was having to throw to commercials and stuff. Uh, is it his fault? Can we blame Darren Millard for everybody being sick? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe you can. If did you did want he do? To. Like, did he do the VGK I, Insider show with you yesterday? He did not. Okay, no. I, was, I don't think his voice would make it through. Yeah, no, I, he he let us know early on that he was day to day. So you know, we'll uh, we'll see if he's able to go today. But from the sounds of it, uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it sounded kind of gross. Their uh, numbers were not great last <laughs> night, but Marshall kind of gets the fortunate goal there. Is this how, how good is this top line when it's clicking? I mean, it just seems like uh, they score every night. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you obviously like the goal from from Jonathan Marshall. So it's a play that Alex Petrangelo makes early on. To, to kind of push the play forward that results in that lucky bounce for March or so. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a line that just kind of works together, right? Like, obviously, Nick was a different player than Jack Eichel. A lot of what this line will do is below the goal line, below the circles. Like, they do a really good job cycling pucks, getting pucks to the front of the net. Ivan Barbashev has kind of a fourth-line mentality in, in how he plays, and I think it works really well with Nick Waugh. They've been amazing. They've been really good. Last night, not their best game, but really you kind of trust that they'll be able to find it and get things back. Um, But, you know, I I, I think, you know, by and large, you're you're left here asking, is this a line that should exist? Is is it a line that should continue if this team gets healthy? And I think that's kind of the biggest testament to what that line's been able to do together, that you're even entertaining the idea that maybe you look for different things when Jack Eichel returns because they've been so, so dominant together. You trade Jack Eichel. I've got another stat for you. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, his 82-game pace with Jack Eichel this year, 34 (laughs) goals, which is good. 34 goals is a good season. Uh, Without Jack Eichel, it's 68 goals. So you trade Jack Eichel and get the salary cap space, get some picks for the future, maybe get one player to help out. But you got Nick Waugh, and he's making Jonathan Marchessault a superstar. Okay, here's the deal, though. Jack Eichel is undefeated in the postseason. He's never lost a playoff series. I think you, I think you lean into that a little bit. That's more. a good stat. <laughs> that is a good stat that I would usually use if I was trying to make the other side of this. So I, I do appreciate that quite a lot. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah. Um, okay, you're right. Bring him back. Put him on the fourth line. Uh, let him play about five minutes a game and and not ruin anything Nick Waugh's doing. Yeah. Okay. I guess. <laughs> um, I did also want to ask you uh, the. The two goals Aiden Hill gave up in the third period. The the second one he gave up in the third period. Um, I thir- I don't I don't really I don't know if I have a question. I just thoroughly enjoyed. Hey, we're gonna flip a puck at the goalie and it's gonna cause a lot of confusion and it's gonna end up in the back of the net. It you know hockey's dumb. We saw the Marshall goal. That's obviously dumb. That one too was kind of dumb. It's a great sport. Um, yeah, I mean hockey's chaos, right? Like it it, it is one of those uh, one of those games where you can do everything right and lose. And most of the time when you do everything right and lose. It's on plays like that. I, I'm not saying the Golden Knights right. did everything right last night by any stretch, but 
hockey can be like that sometimes. Uh, Aiden Hill has been so, so good, so dominant, best goaltender in the league when he's been healthy. And the last night, at least the fourth goal for the Minnesota Wild, that was a rare, rare instance where Aiden Hill was not particularly strong. He wasn't particularly good. Uh, anytime a puck is kind of bounced off of you after a misplay and it goes into the back of the net and then uh, added insult to injury, that's the game-winning goal. It stings, but I, I have faith that Aiden Hill will be able to just kind of shake that one off and he'll be ready to go and, and good and solid and the goaltender he's been for the majority of the season when he plays next. Tough goal for his Hall of Fame candidacy. <laughs> well, it's your fault. You're the one that's saying he's a Hall of Famer last week and then he's got that start, man. It's, it's, all, it's all you, Tyler. How on a small sample size have you think William Carlson's played since he came back? Um, pretty good. I, you know, there's there's not really much of a drop-off for William Carlson just in terms of his overall game. I think last night was probably a tough spot because you've got Carlson alongside Sheldon Rempel and Brendan Brisson. It's, it's not necessarily two players that, A, you're looking at as big impact players at this level yet. For Brisson, maybe it gets there. Rempel, it's a situation where he's in the lineup because Paul Cotter's unhealthy dealing with an illness and can't go. Now, the other aspect of it is they're not the best defensive forwards in the game, right? That's what William Carlson does so well. He's able to drive a line for sure, but you trust in his defensive structure. It wasn't particularly strong last night because of the wingers that he had. So it was a tough spot overall for William Carlson last night. Uh, Ridley Gregg scores a goal, an empty net goal, <laughs> takes a slap shot. Uh, Senators beat the Maple Leafs after the yeah. play. Morgan Riley cross-check <clears throat> to the head of Ridley Gregg. Uh, I think it's that Department of Player Safety meeting. I think it's today for mm -hmm. Morgan Riley. Uh, what do you think of the play, and what do you think happens? <laughs> well, I Okay, number one. That was awesome from Ridley Gregg. Like, more slap shots into empty nets. Come on. Seriously, like, the only thing that he did wrong was hurt the Maple Leafs' feelings. Truly. And, and like, that's ridiculous. Like, we've got a code about feelings, but apparently a cross-check to the face is totally okay and acceptable. Um, listen, I don't have any issue with what Ridley Gregg did. I think it's great. I think the game needs more of that because it's fun. It creates rivalries. And, you're, like, if you're going to get mad about a guy taking a slap shot into an empty net, then every single goaltender that's ever scored a goal in this game should be cross-checked in the face, too, <laughs> by that logic, because that hurts other teams' feelings, too. Now, that being said, Morgan Riley is generally an upstanding member of, of the National Hockey League. He doesn't get suspended. He doesn't lose himself in moments of emotion. It's telling to me that he did, but he deserves whatever suspension he gets. It's cross-checked in the face. He can't do that. I don't care if your feelings are hurt. Don't put yourself in that position if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then the last thing that I'll say on it, it's telling to me that earlier in the year, the Maple Leafs had zero reaction to Brad Marchand laying a borderline hit on Tim Timothy Lilligren and knocking him out of play for a while. And yet they get their feelings hurt because Ridley Gregg takes a slap shot into an empty net and then they finally have a pulse. It's ridiculous. And again, I think Morgan Riley deserves whatever suspension he gets. Well, that's why they have Ryan Reeves to stop people from taking slap shots into <laughs> nets. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're not going to put Ryan Reeves on the ice 
when you're down a goal trying to score. Why not? So I He's guess, good at that. I guess Rid- and, and like this idea that Ridley Gregg learned something here, no, he didn't. He didn't learn anything. Morgan Riley didn't teach him a lesson. If anything, he's allowed Ridley Gregg to, to realize, okay, I can do this. I can take a slap shot into an empty net. I can eat a cross-check to the face, and you're going to have one of your best defensemen, if not your, one of your best players, miss mm, probably six-plus games. So I, I, like, this reinforces the type of player that Ridley Gregg wants to be. Didn't teach him a lesson. It's ridiculous. Uh, February 27th, Golden Knights at Maple Leafs. Golden Knights up 4-3, 30 seconds to go. Who's taking the slap shot into the empty net? Oh, man. Um, I like to say Paul Cotter, but he <laughs> like he's got he's got more sense than that for sure. Um, you know, it's funny. Like Mark Stone took a slap shot last night. Yeah, and didn't hurt it. Didn't hurt anybody's feelings because the goalie was in the net. He might like he might as well have not been in the net because that's how bad Gustafson was last night. But hey. If Mark Stone can take a slap shot in the middle of a game and not hurt anybody's feelings, Ridley Gregg can take a slap shot into an empty net and not hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, all right, Ryan, we appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you again next week. Hopefully there are more slap shots across the league. Oh, Ridley Gregg, he's my, my new favorite player. Let's go. <laughs> there is Ryan Wallace, VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las, Le- uh, wow, Las Vegas. Also, VGK pre-post and intermission on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Um... I'm excited to see what Morgan Riley gets for a suspension. It's a Zoom today. It's not in person. Changed it up. Weather's bad. Oh, he's not There's actually There's an update. There's a breaking, there? new, breaking news for you. He was. Oh. Now he's not. There's a nor'easter. Oh, yeah, bad weather. Yeah, bad weather. He can't, he can't travel. People live in cities with weather. What do you guys think? I say he gets 10 games. <sighs> I don't know if there's a – because I know, like, with the NHL, their fines are only, like, a drop in the bucket. They don't, don't get paid as much, Danny. Yeah, they McDavid's ma- making twelve million. He's the greatest player. Cool. In, like, it's fine. Cool. They don't make and, enough money. And the most he can get fined is five thousand dollars. That's like fine. us being fined a dollar. Yeah, fines are fines are pointless. Suspend them. But is there? Well, that was leading to my question. Is there? Is there a cap on their suspensions in the NHL? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, right, then I'd, no, I'd suspend no, him for the rest he, of the year. Then I say, he gets, forever. I say he gets 10 games. I'm putting him out for the rest of the year would be my – if I was in charge of this. I'm going to say he gets five. All right. I, the Pretty one thing, extremes. The one thing, and Ryan mentioned it, uh, that Morgan Riley doesn't have any sort of history apparently. Right. The NHL loves to take that into account. Right. They take that into account more than the actual action half the time. They're like, well, he's never been suspended before, so this is a slap on the wrist. Or – We've suspended this guy three times. Now he's getting twenty. He's an idiot. Now he's get out 20. of here. So he might get off. So five thousand in one game <laughs> might be it. Might be it. But I that I said it yesterday. It's it's the thing that annoys me the most about hockey is policing the unwritten rules or policing some part of the sport by hitting guys in the head. Like if you're gonna fight a guy, okay. If you're gonna drop the gloves with him, okay. But to skate after a guy, chase him down effectively, and cross check him in the face. That, that has to be out of the league. I was actually very surprised when we had uh, Jamie Hirsch on yesterday, and she was saying that she doesn't think he deserves a suspension. I, I've seen so many uh, people who cover hockey that are like, "Yeah, he doesn't need; to, he, they don't need to suspend him." Like, that's, I, it's that's, it's a bad it's a bad culture, Danny. It's a toxic culture where it's like, "Yeah, you can just skate up and hit a guy in the head after the play," and people will be like, "Eh, 
That's like a pitcher <laughs> in baseball purposely throwing at their face and be like, yeah, he doesn't deserve a right. suspension. The batter deserved to get hit. Right. That's, that is exactly what it is. Guy pimps a home run, and then it's like, yeah, he deserved to get drilled there, which is how people in the 80s and 90s and, well, hell, still do Police some of it. things. Yeah, that's how they it shouldn't yeah. be in the game. Either one, baseball and stop, stop policing unwritten rules. Right. Stop policing celebration rules because you pimped a home run or you took a slap. Yeah. Hey, took a slap maybe shot. next time don't lose to the point where you right. gotta go empty net right that's the <laughs> that's the point moral yes. of the story get better be better at hockey and then you won't have to worry about ridley greg it's the damn senate we're talking about the senators and ridley greg what are we doing there's no reason ridley greg should be doing anything of note to the maples and yet one of their better players might get suspended for a significant amount of times so stupid. So there's so many stupid. So you've got sports. season. I've got five. And he's I mean, got they're ten. not going to do the season. But if I was in charge, I'm hitting them with the season. That's what I'm going with. All right, we got tickets to give away. If you want to go see Ray Romano, now's your chance to win. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. We've got two tickets to see Ray Romano live in Las Vegas. He is here on April 2nd and 13th at the Summit Showroom at the Venetian. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Caller number six at 702-364-1100 is going to see Ray Romano. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, Ed. You uh, teased during a break earlier in the show. Brick, Stephen A. Smith, General Hospital. We got some storyline updates. Love interest. Oh, man. Mm. Who? Hey, Dave, Dave. Kind of teased it. It hasn't come to fruition yet. Don't don't you tell me it's the mayor or whoever who's trying to get things done off the books. The deputy mayor. The de- so, Oh, yes. Yeah, so, excuse me. Why the hell is there a deputy mayor? Is it her? And a former police commissioner. Is it her? Is it who? Is she the love interest? Yes, the deputy mayor. She's the love interest? Well, again, they've just gone out for a, a glass of champagne. That's how it starts, Ed. Uh, yes! And also, why champagne? What are they toasting? Because Dex bought the champagne. I think he was going to get other drinks, but Dex said, uh, let me let me pick these up for you. Couldn't go for something nicer? <sighs> nicer? The bottle was expensive, supposedly. <laughs> Dex put <laughs> down his cred card, credit card, and Stephen A. noticed it was an offshore account. Ooh. And that's when he brought the news to Sonny, and they now think that Dex is the inside guy trying to knock off Sonny. He's he's perspe- perceptive. Yes, he's on top Rick of is that. Perspective. How can you wait a minute? He, he just knows credit cards. Yeah, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling you, City it had extra numbers or something. I don't know. What if it was like a Bitcoin credit card? Do they have that in General Hospital world? They have that. I don't know if they have that. An odd, that. Is General Hospital just making things up? <laughs> Probably. It's an offshore it's, credit it's not, card. These people aren't real. <laughs> you can put you credit card companies let you put whatever design you want on certain cards. That's true. Yeah. How Stephen A. like, oh, that's clearly from Europe. <laughs> yes, offshore. Yeah, you put custom pictures on credit so cards. So now that's they believe clearly from the Caribbean. They now believe as money is being transferred into the account. That he's tipping off people of Sonny's whereabouts, and that's when they're going to take him out. So he's tipping off people who've never shot guns before because they've missed this guy 37 times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sonny's still alive because nobody had <laughs> shooting training in this exactly. show. Nobody knows how to shoot a gun. They're like, oh, uh, my God, there's a target to aim at? Let me miss it by 25 feet. Uh, so ha- wait a minute. How did we go? Because the last update you gave us on this, um, on this uh, fake mayor – um, deputy mayor was that Stephen A didn't trust her. 
That's well, maybe that's how it starts. You don't go from non-trusting to a glass of champagne. I don't know. I don't know how these things. But we start. didn't. We didn't get anything in between. No, we just went from non-trusting to champagne. Yeah, yeah. What was the purpose of their meeting? She needed something done off the books, Danny. Like, like, did she did she approach him about going to, about meeting at a restaurant, or did he approach her? Uh, scene just started, so I don't know who approached who. I, I think know. Danny means their first their first meeting that you're asking about. No, right? like oh, after the the, after meeting. they. Oh, I don't know. After they initially met, did they were uh-huh. like, "Hey, let's go grab a drink"? Uh, that I don't know. They just brick was suddenly on the screen. <laughs> he just appeared. <laughs> I I wonder though. He's getting more and more of a part here, what they're doing with Stephen A, because uh, he's, he's – and, again, I've told people he's really good. Oh, yes. He's really good. I believe it. I mean, he's really good. It's Seen the guy on TV yelling about God knows what yes. all the time. Yes. He's got to be great at this. He's great at it. He's oh. great at it. So he might have a love interest. Yeah. Which means he's going to be like – he could be a longtime reoccurring mm-hmm. role. Instead of once every six Regular. months. I am ready for more Stephen A. Smith on General Hospital. I'm ready for the ma- uh, wedding. When's he marrying the deputy mayor? <laughs> well, I don't know because he's sort of a gangster. <laughs> he's the deputy mayor. <laughs> Usually doesn't work out for the police officer. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the uh, they'll keep the wedding off the books, too. Yeah, off just the books. Like, just like whatever she's asking. How much do you love do. that the one thing was off the books? Oh, it's the greatest thing. It's the greatest. <laughs> All of a sudden, the deputy mayor is like, Stephen A., I need something done off the books. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> and he's over here like, oh, that's an offshore credit card. He might be trying to kill Sonny. Hey, 11, 11.30 at night, you got to do something. Go to sleep? sleep? Yeah. <laughs> sleep. What do you mean you got to do something? The only yeah. people up at that night are gamblers and Adam Hill. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You didn't get you didn't get any sleep on Sunday night. Last night you didn't get any either because you're watching Stephen A. and his deputy mayor. <laughs> What it's do you do in the, the afternoon? Uh, my job. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, he wrote a column about how the uh, Vegas should be in the Super Bowl yeah, rotation. I did see that. Even I though the, that. Even though on, the NFL's out here like, we don't have a rotation. We yeah. Come on. <laughs> They've got a rotation. There's like five cities they want to go to, and then anybody yes. who builds a new city will get we'll one. We'll get one. That's basically so how So Chicago eventually, which builds right. this new stadium. Even Actually, it's, it's got to be a dome. Snowing. Oh, yeah. Will Buffalo yeah. get? Buffalo can't get one if they don't put a dome it's on gotta it. It's got to be oh, a dome. Oh, they have to have a dome. The farthest There's north no they've they gone is one. New Jersey. Buffalo's going to build a new stadium and not get a Super Bowl. Bums.